Greetings programs, welcome to Animatronic, the podcast talking about episodes of Disney's animated television show, Tron Uprising. My name is Duncan Shields, host of Tronologically Speaking, the movie-by-minute podcast talking about 1982's movie, Tron. And I'm Courtney Coulson, reviewing Tron Legacy one minute at a time on Legacy Minute. Episode 18. And uh, today we're going to be talking about episode 18 called No Bounds, where we see a return of the stranger slash first renegade as he returns to Argonne City to wreak a little havoc. And uh, he gets busy real quick. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I hope that he's like a dark wizard. Things escalate. Things escalate quickly. Uh, the recap shows the stranger and uh, that whole chapter, and it, it shows that Tron is a bit of a liar, but that Beck is also a bit of a hypocrite because he's lying to all his friends about being the renegade and lying to Tron about having ever met the stranger, even though Tron is like, oh, yeah, you're the first. You're the best. Absolutely. You know it. Um, so everybody's a big liar pants so far in this uh Oh, yeah, this whole episode is just... Beck saying to Tron, well, why didn't you tell me about Cyrus? And then Tron's like, well, you didn't tell me about Cyrus, so... Hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't you ask yourself that question? <laughs> so uh, we open on Beck, Batmanning up on top of a building, and inside there's a couple of red guards about to execute a couple, claiming that they've stolen or are hoarding energy. So Beck busts in and kills both of the guards, one with his own disc, uh, but then uh, the renegade. I'm anxious asks, just watching this again. <laughs> but then, yeah, Beck says, ask the couple to show him the stockpiled energy that they were hiding, and they do. And then Beck kills the man and lets the woman flee to tell the authorities what happened. And then does a cool guys don't look at explosions walk away from their apartment as it blows up or their store behind him. It entirely explodes. And as he uh, as he walks away from the fire, his helmet recedes and few. It's not Beck. It is, in fact, the first renegade in disguise. He's so badass. So now he is going to be randomly murdering people in town uh, disguised as the renegade. This guy's getting right to business in causing but, uh, chaos. The, the most uh, disturbing part to me was how the... So there's these two programs and they're, you know, storing the... Uh, I was going to say energy on energy. Um, and he derezzes the man, the girl runs, and then it is exactly like footage out of a nature documentary where the cheetah is after the gazelle and Cyrus is really down low and just about to pounce on her. And then she's on the ground and he just uh, gets right up close in her face. And it's just, uh. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's real sinister and he has the talent and abilities to pull off being an apex predator. He's, uh, he's really doing a good job of being quite threatening and freaky yeah again it's all about the animation in terms of the body language and you know we've we've got villains other villains but they don't violate people's personal space in the same way no and i i'm I'm never find pavel scary (laughs) yeah and i've waxed poetic about the character design at least Mm. once or twice an episode but i do feel I've been a little remiss in my shout out to the animations themselves from the yeah. art direction to the animation direction to the animation itself. It's really quite astounding the way they've managed to make every character sort of have their own accent, you know, mm. motion, motion wise. And uh, it's, it's really, really cool. And um, this actually felt like it was coming out of a more mature show. Yeah. something aimed at adults specifically and i think maybe they were trying to do that age it up towards trying to, the end trying to transition to a different audience i hope so i think tron is possibly better off with an older audience uh, i i think so i think pitching it to kids is a mistake and i think that making it rated r is also a mistake right mm. but i think that making it Maybe pitching sort of it to upper teens, teens or, yeah, yeah, you know, giving it a an edge to it, I think, is something that's necessary and a depth, like not just an edge, 
not like don't make it have like gasp swear words like i don't want to see yeah pro- like it's not even young adult i would say it's just for a general adult audience really. and i just i just want deeper philosophical mature themes to arise you know it's not yeah, about that's the frustrating thing is you either have stuff aimed at kids or you've got the the ya stuff or you've got oh, i guess within the same genre something like altered carbon where it's sex and violence and yeah. nudity and there's nothing in between there's nothing where we can have those deeper philosophical conversations but it doesn't have to be r-rated and overt in in yeah. other ways it's rare and i think maybe there's just not that big of an audience for that kind of thing that might mm. be the hard financial truth of it but that's uh it's it is a hole in the market yeah i mean it's the same thing with game of thrones like well without the without the titties then it's just nerd shit and normal people don't want that <laughs> Yeah, right? So throw in a few F-bombs and some program boobs, and then, yay, now you've yeah. got adult Tron. And it's like, no, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, Stop. I'm just imagining Tron as Blade Runner 2049. You know, you got the giant, um, oh, God, what's her name? Joy. Yeah. Uh, hologram. Yeah. The blue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she, so now they cut to the, to the, like the scene of the explosion, uh, there's a bunch of bystanders there. There's one of those cool ambulances that we saw with the uh, the introduction of Keller, uh, bringing them to the Eye of Sauron Tower. Those cool new uh, ambulance sort of, they're, they're British looking. They got checks on the side, so they kind of look like British ambulances. Mm. And it's uh, cordoned off with a yellow caution light wall, which is kind of cool. <laughs> they just use them as uh, as those caution tape cordons. And it turns out Mara was delivering a light cycle to someone in the neighborhood when she was caught in the blast from the renegade with minor damage. So she's lying on a gurney while Zed and Beck are talking to her while a med program attends to her. And uh, she's telling him that eyewitnesses are saying that Tron did it. That there's memory playbacks of Tron slaughtering people and blowing stuff up. So he's like, uh, say what? And... Then that we get a we get a comedy moment where the med tech digs a literal piece of shrapnel out of her leg and <laughs> Zed faints. He's like, Oh my god, program blood. I got a faint. I got the vapors. Weenie man. <laughs> he passes out. Um this is a situation where if Beck had revealed tomorrow that he was the renegade and to Zed, it would have solved everything. You know, this plot wouldn't be what it was. Yeah, they'd be like, Well, obviously it wasn't you. Or they would yeah. say, yeah, we were with you when it happened. And, and then they could team up. They really invested in making him a Lobo solo. And uh, I don't know if they had plans to change that, but I would have liked to have seen a super team of... Yeah, because you know, I do find, especially now, maybe not 10 <coughs> years ago, but you know, nowadays the, the secret identity thing is so played out. So Even played. Spider-Man doesn't have a secret identity no. anymore. Not really. So played. It so... had, it had its place, right? It really had its place, but it's almost over. Yeah. If you start out that way, but you know, through this season of Tron uprising, I think about two or three episodes ago would have been the time to just start opening up to select people. Yeah, right? Like, okay, here's here's my trusted crew, right? And mm. uh, But oh well. So, but cutting straight to the chase, Beck sees the first renegade in the crowd of onlookers. And what chase is he wearing? Chase would be a good name for a program, by the way. What is? What would? Chase. It would be. Yeah, oh, for... it would be a great name. Yeah. Hmm. For a That's racer. That's my OC. Yeah. He's a, he's a famous car racer. Or a yeah. famous, uh, famous light cycle racer named Chase. But... Uh, yeah, the renegade is in the crowd of onlookers, and he's wearing a hooded robe. That's how you know that he's in disguise, mm-hmm. and he's up being very clandestine, being the only person in a robe in the entire crowd. And uh, so Beck is like, come here, and gives chase. He gets hit by a car <laughs> while chasing. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, because the program that gets out of the car is like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. And he's like, no problem. Yeah, I was like, it's not my fault. I'm like, yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> And then she, and then, uh, and then he tracks the renegade to a creepy fire escape. Uh, crawls up the building, and I'm kind of like, do they need fire escapes in the grid? That's cool. 
Yeah, well, we I don't, we've seen fire. So yeah, we've yeah. seen fire. We've seen fire. So and we've uh, we've seen fire and we've seen rain. Is that how that song goes? Um, I think so. I think I got the tune way off, but yeah, she's uh, she's. What do we got there? Oh yeah, so the first renegade is pulling his like walking around magically thing again. <laughs> like he's always like, "Hello, back," you know. He's like way off in the in the distance, or he's like walking across a, a one inch wide beam, or he's like just just rounding a corner ahead of him doing his magic horror movie villain thing yeah. where you can run full sprint, but he's always ten steps ahead of you. And then he shows back. He's like, "I've got your white Tron disc." And then he disappears. I love watching this again silent because I can really focus on the animation. And it's just the, the, the locations and the flow of it and just, ah, I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. So back at the garage, Beck checks his locker and the white disc is still there. So he's confused. Yeah. He's like, ooh, oh, okay, it's still here. So Abel grills him about his nervousness. And, uh, you know, he's like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And Abel's like, please don't kid a kid or you're not fine. Like, something's going down. Yeah, I'm glad he cuts through that. Although they don't really talk about it. No, they don't really talk about it. But he sees, okay. And then so, but then all over town, the Renegades wanted posters switched to red. Friggin' hell, Beck. You know, you got all these allies that you could be utilizing and you don't. He's got a team willing to yeah. go to bat for him and i mean i would hope that that was maybe the theme of the next season is just that together you're stronger you know mm, i would have liked it if that uh distancing was actually tron's insistence so maybe yeah beck that, that, that could have been their main conflict is beck really wants to rec- recruit all these people and tron just says no 100 percent, no i've brought other people on board before it it's, didn't end well it's too dangerous you got it to be out by yourself and it's all tron's baggage right like yeah and then maybe tron can have that character arc of after this episode really think oh yeah maybe beck you had a point because if we had all known and communicated with each other this wouldn't have happened yeah yeah that would have been a good a good moment it's frustrating because all the elements for that are right there. Yeah, they're right there. There's a l- little bit of that discussion going on whenever Beck wants to recruit Paige or recruit Mara. Tron's a little hesitant, but he never says no. Yeah, and I, and keep, I, ex- I keep expecting, okay, this is the episode where it's going to go down, and then it doesn't. It needs to be a more black and white, Tron says no, Beck says yes. Yeah, right? So, I don't know. We'll see we'll see so i also uh, just like that idea of the 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 master or the uh you know the, the expert realizing oh no i i have made mistakes and the apprentice actually had the right idea and maybe i should listen to them a bit yeah. more. He, he does it a little bit he does it a little bit and i'm a sucker for those scenes especially with the excellent performances of bruce boxleitner and yeah. and all that happening like i, I it's a it, shame bruce is in more stuff he's really great he really is He's a very he's a leading man who never really was a leading man. Yeah, he's very dependable. He's a very dependable actor. Yeah, if I were making a movie, okay, so I'd use the color purple a lot. I would definitely <laughs> put Bruce Boxleitner in it, and also Jeffrey Combs. Those two guys don't get enough respect. That's a fact. That is. Mm. Those are facts. So uh, Beck is booting around town while all his wanted posters switch to red. So it's up to DefCon One, I guess, where they're like. Oh, no, we want him captured now. And uh, Beck goes to put on his white disc to become the renegade, but it, it shocks him, and he gets filled with a bunch of electricity. It's I a... love this shot here. It's just there's the red yeah. billboard thing in the background. You're just looking at him side on. Yeah, it's, it's just It looks like art. You know, you could frame that. Yeah, it's a fake disc that tasers the owner, and it's a trap, but he pulls it off, but it's clinging to his back with these long white, uh, jellyfish tendrils i guess yeah, this, it's kind of nightmare imagery yeah I don't know what it, it really yeah. is because it's your back right it's like you've got a face hugger on your back and you're like get mm. off me but it's so awkward to try to reach it right? well it reminds me of a dream i had a long time ago where someone had these sort of wing things violently bursting out of their back <laughs> stuck Yikes. with me forever yeah, yeah that sounds like a pretty frightening image but he manages to, to wrench it off. 
but he goes back to Tron's hideout and he gives it to Tron and he says, what is this fake disc? And it turns out it has a virus on it. And uh, we learned that the first renegade's name is Cyrus and that Beck was Tron's second choice because he has heart and fights for what he believes in and isn't a nihilistic psycho like Cyrus. Uh, but there, this is during the argument they're having of who's the biggest liar in the room with each other. Um, so Tron isn't backing down. He's defending his choices and won't apologize. And Beck says, okay, I quit. I'm out of here. And it seems pretty final, but then I remembered he, he did this before, right? Mm. I think he walked out on Tron four or five episodes ago. So I think this is like a, a, a somewhat tropey where he's like, I'm out. And then he's like, you know what, Tron? You were right. I'm back in. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see what happens with this one. But he doesn't have Tron's help anymore. He's out. He's out by himself. Uh, and then we cut to a club. It would be way more awkward if he did actually live here with Tron. It's like, well, I am <laughs> out of here. And then he closes the door and like, shit, all my stuff's back in there. Ugh. Yeah, comes back in. I forgot my keys. You know? <laughs> I need, I need, I need the keys to my light cycle. But now I'm super leaving. <laughs> but uh, and we cut to the out exterior of a club called zero zero one zero zero one, which I was hoping was an Easter egg, but apparently it only means nine. So. In binary, it just means nine. But Beck is meeting Mara there. And the programs are just shuffling around and no one's really there. Is this the first time we've had an exterior shot of the place? If that's the place where they always go, then yeah, I think it is. Hmm. I wish it would more... be fun if they went to different nightclubs and they had different aesthetics. It would be nice if they went to a nightclub where people were dancing. That would be, uh, yeah. that would be pretty sweet because right now all the... They're kind of shuffling around on the dance floor, and no one's really wilding out. There's no dope dance moves. That would be another yeah, episode where there must like be a, must be a weeknight. They go to some sort of, uh, you know, America's Got Talent show, but it's in the grid, <coughs> so we get to see all these dancers and performers. I want to see the performers. Yeah. You know, we get Pergos, which is pretty cool because I imagine there's like, yeah, freaky characters and maybe prostitutes, and I don't know, just like a, a different side of the grid in Pergos, but I want to see uh performance. Which again, if they did a more PG version of Tron Uprising, you, you could really get into these things. Yeah, you know, even if it was just by insinuation, you know? Mm. I regret doing this podcast. Now it's just <laughs> making me mad that there isn't more of Tron Uprising. Yeah, I uh, definitely have had several emotions along those lines during each of these episodes. <laughs> where I'm just like, okay. But Beck is we're here in, we're doing it now we're, you know? we're doing it now and we're, we're one episode away from the end mara is in the club beck is meeting her there and uh and then she's like oh good you're here you can meet our new friend or she's like did you quit and he's like shocked for a second because he just walked out on tron so he's like what do you know about me and she's like no no you you quit the the mechanic store and he's like what what and then it turns out cyrus has been hanging out with zed and mara telling them that beck has quit his job at abel's and he's being a super cool person to hang out with and zed and mara both love him and he's like their new best friend so this guy like the three times we've seen him right like he starts off killing strangers and blowing up apartments and then he steals the and then he's and then he reveals that he's got the original disc and replaced it with a trap disc and now he's like right up with his best friends super thick with his super tight with his best friends but this guy does not waste any time he is just like going from zero to a hundred right away there's no there's no creeping up on the on the meter he's just no. he's, he's got the accelerator down right off the uh right off the tip here but straight for the jugular I don't understand I'm... how Zed and Mara are cool with his bizarre face. He's I was got... about to say the exact same thing. Just there's no comment about that. Or did they talk about it before Beck showed up? He looks completely out of the norm. He looks like he's half uh, ISO. Like his, the tattoos are on his skin. They're not on his on his clothing. And they're just like, he's the best. And I'm like, does he come from maybe another city where this kind of ritualistic circuitry on the skin is a style call like can they just say oh you know you're from uh, uh or maybe he made them feel bad about it. Like, oh yeah i was in a horrible accident <laughs> oh, oh okay yeah are, are you looking at my scars no no god no god no <laughs> yeah 
Well, we've seen some really weird things happen to programs when they're tortured by Pavel, so maybe he could use that as an excuse. Yeah, or maybe he has injected some code into them to make them see him as not as extreme or to ignore it or something. That's the difficult thing is they're so naive most of the time, uh, Zed and Mara, that them acting like this right now seems in character, whereas... If they were acting out of character, then you'd go, oh, 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 okay, he's done something to them. Well, yeah, he, but they really, Zed and Mara really take out all the stops in terms of being clueless in this particular, in this particular (laughs) scene. I think it's maybe more threatening if through his own cunning or charm, he's able to use his friends against him. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, like Instead I don't want having to resort to anything else. Yeah. If it's just intelligence based, it's way it's way more threatening than than him having a, you know, special pheromone powers or something like that. I, I, I totally agree, mm. but th- that's and that's where they're going. So I, I I can I can dig that. I just like how do you miss his his completely bizarre face? I just don't know. You know what? I just suddenly realized that's why Scarecrow in Batman almost never works because he's the fear guy who like that's all he's about and he has to use a chemical to make that happen whereas you know the joke is actually scary because he's actually freaking scary you know yeah and i think that like the thing about the scarecrow is he knows what to say to you once you're in that state of fear he knows Mm -hmm. how to puppet you once you're terrified so because of his psychiatric training or whatever but yeah to, to get you started he's just got magic gas which yeah he's absolutely got no power beyond that yeah so but anyway, Cyrus is buying everyone drinks, which is hilarious because he buys this giant fishbowl and a mm. couple of straws. So they're they're drinking uh, out of this massive party drink in the middle of the table. And Cyrus and Beck are having this verbal sparring match, talking in, in, uh, in double entendres, uh, while Zed and Mara are picking up zero of the undertones at the table. They don't even have, they're not even registering the ramping tension, which is... Uh, you know, I don't know, surprising to me. But Mara's favorite song comes on. And I begs. hate when characters are just so oblivious like this. Do, do, do. And Mara's favorite song comes on and begs Zed to dance. So they leave uh, They leave Cyrus and Beck to talk. So Cyrus goes to give back Beck his disc, but won't let go. So they have a little tug of war and he's egging Beck on to fight him. He's like, come on, come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. He's like, punch me, punch me right in the face. He's like, you know, but but Beck uh, Beck won't do it. And Cyrus is talking about how he doesn't like Zed. Zed's a loser, but I sure do like Mara. I like Mara a whole bunch. I'm going to go on a date with her and she's going to have a real good time. You hear me? And, and he's like, it's creepy. It's really creepy. And then we see uh, Mara and Zed dancing. And what's cool is that they're actually dancing, which is I don't know if they're dancing very well, but they actually look like they're dancing instead of just yes. sort of sh- I don't know around. why they wouldn't have used reference for dancing. They even did that for, I think it was Batman Beyond. Yeah. It's not that hard, guys. They could have had some uh, better dance cycles for the club goers, for sure. But um, I think Cyrus taps into another male villain archetype so we we're talking in the last episode about the the trickster the kind of effeminate androgynous male character and then cyrus i think is the sexually aggressive basically the rapist archetype where well he just kind of thro- he throws that in there i think to get a rise out of yeah weaponizing that. sexuality yeah the male villains many that do that yeah i mean it's that it's that ultra ultra masculine thing i suppose it's it's the opposite end of the trickster spectrum maybe yeah but uh i do think cyrus is somewhat tricksterish here with his mm. you know maybe the, yeah there's a venn diagram maybe he's somewhere in the middle there he's got a fairly complex plan going on here he is kind of jokerish in terms of his mastermind stuff so mm. i would say he is highly intelligent and yeah but he is yeah i don't know it's i think yeah i think there's a bit of the trickster in him but i totally see what you're saying he maybe vi- more like bane you know you've got the you've got yeah. the brains you've got the sure. brawn he's got them both yeah for sure yeah. for sure uh yeah so cyrus is begging back to fight him to protect his friends saying that he's planted a bomb in abel's garage and 
you're too late. So Cyrus is really trying to turn Beck into a killer. But Beck rips out of the club, heads back to the garage and tries to evacuate it. He's like, everybody get out, everybody get out. But uh, it turns out that the renegade attached a bomb to his bike. So Yeah, he, I love that. It's just, oh, he, I don't have to do anything. Nope. You're playing yourself. He special delivered the bomb right to Abel's garage just because Cyrus told him there was a bomb in Abel's garage. And so Abel survives. Uh, well, and... it also happened with the disc where yeah. uh, uh, Cyrus was saying, oh, well, I've got your white disc. And then Beck goes back to the garage, checks for his white disc. Oh, no, it's there. It's fine. Oh, no. No, it's not. <laughs> nope, it's not fine at all. And uh, so in the ruins of the bombed out garage, which I, I hope nobody died, but um, Abel reveals that he not only knows who Cyrus is, but it's like you said a few episodes ago, he built Cyrus's prison. Yes. So Abel is I've wild. I've been reading the wikis, man. <laughs> Abel's wild. I don't know. I really want more of this character and his background because he seems to be a, seems to have been a pretty intense player at some point. Yes. Abel's very under, underrated and he, I, I would yeah. love to see more of him. He's got uh, Yori's old Tron suit and a bit and it looks like blueprints for a light one of the old light cycles and he knows Tron and he built Cyrus's prison <laughs> and I'm just like I think he must have come from the original grid he must have he must have uh, I yeah well Abel calls back out for being a big old liar pants in the same way that Tron is and he says that Cyrus is a manipulative mind twister pointing out that look Beck he had you bring a bomb to my garage he could have sent you anywhere right you are too yes. easy sorry I was distracted because I was thinking hang on were there only white people in the original Tron I think there were only white people literally yep. not anyone who was not white there might have been some in the um, in the background somewhere but it was it was only mostly only white people for sure Maybe one of the guards, you know, that's completely covered. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> wow, that is the whitest movie I have ever seen, maybe. It's pretty white, which is why I'm, I'm happy that it's been updated in that regard. Yes. Oh, especially in Tron Uprising, you couldn't get more diversity of faces. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I'm glad they went that, they went that route. But uh, Abel's making the very valid point here that Beck is too easily played because he's a child and not smart <laughs> and that he should trust Tron more than he trusts Cyrus. Cause right mm. now he's sort of like, well, Cyrus told me this, so it must be true. And he's been faked out with the disc and he's been faked out with the bomb. So it's like, don't trust Cyrus, man. Yeah. Why would you bet? Come on. We're almost at the end of the first season. You, you learn nothing. Yeah. Right. And then Jump baby. As he's being lectured on how stupid he is, he's like, oh, my God, I brought the counterfeit disc back to Tron's hideout. Yes, you dumb baby. It's God in, damn it. It's in Tron's hideout right now. And then we cut to it and we see that it's spreading its virus into Tron's system, shuts everything down. And this is so cool because we've wanted to see this for a while where the room is completely black, even though there's windows. I don't know how that works. Anyway, but it's all black and uh, all we see is circuitry of the programs. That's right. And Cyrus. What programs you ask? Oh, well, it's Tron and it's Cyrus. Cyrus steps out of the shadows and is like, okay, buddy, it's on. So Abel and Beck are. He's like, what? No hug? (laughs) Yeah. What? No hug. That's right. Yeah. Which is uh, classic. Oh, classic! I love that Tron had no real reaction when the virus was spreading through the building. Just like, "Eh, okay, another day, another more bullshit. Yeah, looks like we'll have to switch to Plan F. You know, like I think he really, yeah, it's just more more of the stuff. He's sort of in a state of perpetual battle. I wonder how long it takes for Beck to get to Tron because it looks like it's a long way away. Yeah, but I would say, uh. I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Travel seems to be kind of instantaneous in the grid. It doesn't seem to take... There's no fast travel, though. There's no fast travel, but it seems to take uh, longer than I would... Or shorter than I would think. 
And the road that they drive on is uh, kind of procedurally generated. Yeah, you know? this is another, it's like it appears before them and it disappears after them. And we've seen this a couple of times now so far. And uh, I want to know what the deal is with that road. I guess maybe you got to have a something, a, you might have to have code in your bike for it to generate. Yeah, so, maybe it's it's locked off to the general public. The secret bat cave entrance kind of thing. I always love that, uh, I don't know, pathway that appears before you and disappears behind you. Uh, like, I think it was in the first X-Men movie where Magneto yeah. was just moving all these like plates or whatever. And he was just walking on these yeah, metal surface and it disappeared behind him. And I thought that was really cool. I think there was like, oh, I think it was the two metal balls that he had. <laughs> That's right. And, and then, then he floated out. On spread one. them out into like discs and then like... Yeah, they would uh, they would be under his foot when he took a step, and then they would leave when his foot left. It was so cool. Jeez, it was so baller. It was so cool. <laughs> I love that. I love it when a bad guy gets set free, and you see the full. He just like spreads his wings, and you get to see. Yes. Oh, he's really good at what he does. This is yeah. not going to go well for the guards. That's uh, it's always a really cool, a cool scene if it's done well. Magneto was my guy as a kid. Like I wanted Magneto Kinesis. That was the thing I fixated on even though in primary school one kid was like why would you want magnetokinesis if you could just have telekinesis and then you can just move everything and i paused for a second and just went well because basically <laughs> yeah yeah although as an adult i can say well you're not just moving metal you're manipulating it so there is that yeah yeah for sure you know you're both right in your own uh, in your own ways yes <laughs> but uh what do we got here so yeah abel and beck yeah, they're racing on the procedurally generated highway to Tron's hideout, and there's a recording waiting for them, saying he's 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 pulling a Joker here. He says, "I've got Mara and Zed in one death trap, and Tron." Yes, in I was going to say we've uh, we've had a lot of Batmaning, and now yep. we've got some Jokering, I guess. Yeah, and I this came out after Dark Knight, right? Dark Knight was just just after you because that was 2009 yeah. which right. is that's so crazy to me i remember going to see that movie it was like the biggest thing ever and yeah. that was more than a decade ago what yep what? it's freaky time <laughs> is very sneaky and i don't care for it <laughs> no never enough time but um yeah so he says that uh he, he's got zed and mara in one location and tron in another so you got to pick which one you like more and rescue yeah. just them and no one else the recording but, um, the recording coughs up a code key saying you've got time to get to one of them and here's the code key that will disable the bomb but before that he says even my pre-recorded hologram finds you predictable and yeah that raises a lot of questions about ai consciousness so if you've made a copy of yourself that is able to communicate in real time with others it is therefore as conscious as you are, right? Because that's the kind of computing power it would need, right? Well, did he say pre-recorded message or did he say yeah. pre-recorded? Because I think what he said was he was like, uh, I've got both of your friends trapped and you'll never discover where they are. I know exactly what he's going to say, so I'll just pause here. And uh... he should have said it by now. And now I will say even my pre-recorded message knows how predictable you are. Like, I think it's just a joke that... He didn't. He he knew exactly what he was going to say. That this isn't. I hope so because otherwise, that's <laughs> breaking the world a little bit there. Yeah, I don't think it's an interactive display. I think he just knew exactly what our uh, our somewhat slow friend Beck was going to say. He's ten right. steps ahead, as he has been this whole episode. Mm. That's the difficulty with uh, making a story in a science fiction set or a fantasy setting. <laughs> because us, the viewer, don't know how this world works and the limitations of the technology and what have you. Whereas if it's set in the real world, obviously there's a lot of things that we just assume. So uh, I think it was someone said to Isaac Asimov, you could never make a murder mystery in a, in a science fiction setting because you could always just pull out whatever explanation or excuse just at the last minute. Yeah. And he went ahead and I think wrote one of the first murder mysteries in the science fiction genre because all and he was his argument was correct is all you really need to do is establish everything up front you know this is a this is a futuristic world where everything's basically the same but 
these six things are different and maybe you, those will factor yeah, in you got a front load this is what's possible this is what isn't here are the rules whereas yeah. i think tron does suffer from that a little bit where you go well just how far can they go how how much can a program do well that's always the issue whenever you like like in game of thrones for instance when they're like oh that's so unrealistic you know peter dinklage would totally have known about this plan that was being hatched and people are like unrealistic you're talking about a show with fire breathing dragons and wizards (laughs) and it's like you're not wrong but they broke the rules that they had set at the beginning of the show that yeah that argument always frustrates me and obviously as a kid i didn't know how to articulate it but yeah if you have a certain you've you've built your world in a certain way then you accept some things but you can't accept other things yeah even if it is a completely bizarre fantastic you know like if we're talking about a marvel movie or a fantasy movie or a sci-fi movie or something like that like it can still be frustrating when characters break the rules you're like no 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 that's not no that no that doesn't work that breaks the world right and uh it's like that with uh like in in the the latest star wars movie when um geez i don't even know the characters names when laura dern goes light speed through the star destroyer oh yeah holder yeah it's one of the coolest moments i've ever seen on film but then after a minute or so you're like well wait a second that wrecks everything it's like you could do this the whole time you could do this the whole time why didn't luke just do that through the freaking death star he would have died but who cares it's just yeah or just attach you know light speed engines to asteroids and pre-program them on a course like i don't know the whole thing was just oh you just you actually ruined everything you know so although uh, i'm willing to let it rest for rule of cool oh rule of cool was off the scale for that shot that was amazing that moment in the theater Bonkers. when it went silent uh yes oh, that was amazing um the but eagles it's, it's, in lord of the rings that's a prime example of yeah wait there was fast travel as an option the whole time this whole and time? then yeah the the explanation that most people give is oh well the eagles are kind of jerks and they didn't want to help out or they couldn't yeah. and they were somewhere else or pff, yeah whatever yeah right this this if you have to have yeah so you, it, this is the thing you have to if you're going to set the rules up you can't break them even if it is a fantastic setting hmm. but anyway so beck gives the code key to abel and says go free mara and zed uh i'm going to go save tron so abel finds mara and zed in one of those... i like this this is an example of characters you know actually thinking something through and planning and being strategic yeah because it and it also sort of it reveals that Cyrus didn't know that he was going to bring a friend. Yes, he He's wasn't like, fully predictable. No, he wasn't. He was like, you know, oh, you're just going to be here by yourself. And he wasn't. He was there with Abel. So he says, all right, Abel, go free uh, go free Mara and Zed. And they're in one of those cargo containers on the top of a, a shipping crane um, mm. down at the docks again. Everything happens down at the docks. And uh, he goes down there to that and then he finds Mara and Zed chained together on top of a bunch of explosives and Beck yeah. finds Tron and Beck, start, Tron, Beck starts using his mechanic wrench thing to get into the guts of the explosive on Tron's back to try to disable it, which is pretty yeah. cool. It's a very useful little tool to have. And back at the cargo container, Abel goes to disable the bomb on the bombs on Mara and Zed with his code key but he realizes it was never intended to work. So that, right. that was another fake out from uh, from. Cyrus. Wait, so was so if Tron had gone to uh, Zedamara, Z would that have not worked? Or it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Right. Because my interpretation the first time I watched it was, oh, can it tell that this isn't Beck using it? Or oh, that's another option. I didn't think of that. I thought he had just given them a code key that doesn't work because he's a sadist and he had another, that's another ripple in his hilarious plan was like. Yeah. And maybe, well, yeah, you could basically read it both ways. Cause one way is, well, there's no escaping the, this, this choice. You can't bring someone else in to help you. Or he knows 100% that he's going to go for Tron. 
Beck's going to go for Tron. So there wasn't any need for the other one to actually work. Oh, maybe. Yeah, could be. So it would could only go could go either way. So, but that's the but, thing. This guy's got plans within plans. So yes, the character like Cyrus is. There's a lot of layers there. Um, and before he was talking a lot about free will. Yeah. And that's really interesting because and he talks about choice a lot and he's saying no one can choose their, their destiny except today the, today the future is your future is up to you but it makes me wonder how did he get this way why is he so aware of his determinism i guess all we know is that he was a god and then he became the renegade so yeah i want i want more like maybe the fact that he was one of uh tesla's guards in the first place means that he had a natural inclination towards uh cruelty and violence or is it just yeah that... so yeah that's actually a good point is that he failed to be the renegade because well that's how he was he was one of tesla's guards he was violent and sadistic and he couldn't yeah. escape that but since he, him insane. he helped tron and so he was like so tron was like oh okay this guy's all right you know, but he was mm. wrong. He was wrong. In That's his, interesting uh, that maybe even if a program can deviate from their usual routine, they can, you know, maybe in this instance, Cyrus helping Tron. That's not a, doesn't determine their future behavior, really. They might yeah. just go back to what they were always programmed to be. Yeah. So yeah, that that I love that. That's, That's very human. Something they uh, I like that. I like that to... quite a bit. And there's also just the idea that maybe he got infused with so much power mm. uh, so quickly that he just cracked. Yeah, it could be yeah. a bit of both, really. You know. Uh, yeah, definitely. A section of issues. It's yeah. like no matter what else happens in your life, when you talk to a therapist, you're gonna have to talk about your parents. Like it's just never. <laughs> yeah. For sure. It's never so, just the one problem. I want to know what uh, how, how Cyrus got the way that he is. Mm. <coughs> uh, Beck. And I bet they were planning to do that, but we'll never see it. No, we'll never see it. So Beck frees Tron and Cyrus confronts Let's start him. the hashtag. Hashtag Tron lives. Hashtag Tron, Tron lives. Live. So Beck frees Tron and Cyrus confronts them. He's like, ha ha, I knew you would do this. You let your friends die. That's cold. You know, and he's, he's doing all this. And then Beck goes to hit Cyrus. And Cyrus is like, yes, finally, some vigor. And I love scenes like this. Like there was a moment in um, Blade Runner when Deckard just cranks Roy Batty in the side of the head with a pipe. And Roy yeah. falls back and then staggers up. But is like, that's the spirit. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, or or like that fight scene gets buck wild like he shoves his head through a wall yeah it's just <laughs> but he's into it or or like uh there's a bit in um the daredevil show when vincent d'onofrio mm. has a huge confrontation in a, a jail cell questioning room with the main character there daredevil and the daredevil busts out of the hold and just smokes uh the kingpin in the face and the kingpin gets a hold of him again and all he says is like ah oh, yes the son of a boxer like he's not even <laughs> not even phased by this huge punch he just took right to the face and i, I just fisk is also amazing <laughs> or like when uh when darth vader is like yes let the hate flow through you strike Good. you know strike me harder you know like i like uh, i love these scenes when it's finally on and the bad yeah. guy's like yes like when the bad guy's like super into it like it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't it's like, i don't it doesn't matter who wins or loses this fight you're giving in to your anger that's what i yeah. wanted you to do you know there's a strange intimacy about villains you know in real life when we have conflict it's mostly just some dickhead on the internet who uh downvoted you and said horrible things and like that's the end of it yeah but an actual villain an actual enemy i don't think many people have and there's this almost like pathological romantic almost obsession that a villain has with the hero yeah. there's this uncanny intimacy i want to say sure that does not exist in real life it's no. only the only place you'd really see it is in a kind of bdsm scenario sure really. sure well you get that with like uh you know batman and the joker and stuff like that mm. where it, 
you know, someone else tries to hurt the Batman and the Joker's like, you leave him alone. Oh, yeah, the man who He's killed mine. Batman or whatever it was. The what? Do you remember that? The man who killed Batman or whatever the episode was called. The Batman the Animated Series episode where this just random guy, like little weenie man, accidentally thinks. He thinks he kills Batman. Joker figures that out and he is not happy. He wants to murder this guy because it's like, that was... <laughs> that was my Batman. That was mine. That was my... Yeah. No, he's got ownership of that for sure. But, but uh... I think that's why villains are so appealing because they're, first of all, I don't know. I think it's kind of exciting the idea that someone's that into and that obsessed with whatever you're doing at any given time. And sure. that, yeah, like it's a, viol- a physically violent relationship, but one where at least one member is obsessed with the other. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's been that's been explored a little bit, and especially in the Batman Joker relationship. But it's definitely mm. here with Tron and Cyrus as well. That's but, why villains uh, are fun. They're not real. <laughs> Cyrus is kicking Tron and Beck's ass though here. Like Tron and Beck are trying their best to 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 gang up on Cyrus, but Cyrus is like he's a ninja. He's really not being taken down. But then Cyrus realizes that Beck sent somebody else to free his. Uh, friends and i don't know why i get a little sad when i see tron not able to keep up with younger programs like no tron you're the hero of the you greatest can you can do anything uh so tron uh tron says that cyrus is his only failure and they fight so that's a big a big a kickoff for them and now cyrus is fully engaged he's like i'm a failure you're a failure ah! and it gets into it uh but then tron says back to go help abel freeze Zed and mara and I'm like, are you going to go all the way across town uh, on your light cycle? Dude, okay. Oh, um, that reminds me. In um, Venture Brothers, I remember in one of the audio commentaries, I probably mentioned it in interviews, that, well, especially with the Venture Brothers, failure is the defining characteristic of every single one of those characters. They've okay. all failed at something, and that's what makes them who they are. Okay. And I've carried that with me. And I look at that in other stories, and I think it even applies here. Well, especially in this situation. But I think for most characters, it is their failures that define them more so than their strengths. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very, very smart thing to write. Like if you write with that in mind, I think that's way mm. more compelling. You know? Tron is absolutely defined by failure. It's even scarred his face. That's yeah. basically all he is at this point. He's haunted by it, right? And hangs mm. all over him. He, he walks in a fog of it. I think he's in deep 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 denial about it he's that's why he's so hard and so cruel and so tron needs a break someone just just give him a blanket let him have a nap he's all by himself in there uh i know he should not be alone beck come on he he needs friends he, don't he's leave just, him alone yeah he's thinking about his past mistakes all the time uh tron goes to kill <laughs> just sorry i just had the image of beck taking tron to that pool room yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, Bet Ed sure. Tron would take it way too seriously. Yeah. I won. I won again. It's just like, okay, good for you. We're trying to have a yeah. conversation. No, that's not fair. <laughs> uh, so Tron goes to kill Cyrus while he's got him in a lock, but Cyrus squidges out of it. And then Cyrus is like, say I'm stronger than you. Say I'm smarter. He really wants Tron to die defeated in spirit as well as body. He's like, I want you to say that I was the worthy successor. I want you to die with that on your lips, <laughs> which is like, wow, Cyrus, you're <laughs> going, you're getting pretty intense here. This is a very intense. A psychopath. I want you. And crushed. this isn't even the last episode. Holy shit. <laughs> no, but as they're fighting, Tron grabs the diffused bomb and sticks it to Cyrus's chest and snaps the mechanic tool. And so that sets the timer going again. So he played Cyrus. He's like, I'm smarter than you. I tricked you into throwing me over here, and now I got you. And Cyrus breaks away in panic as the bomb counts down. And unfortunately, oh, Beck, in the um, in the subtitles, Abel is spelled A B L E. I thought it was A B L, uh, like uh, A B E L, like Cain and Abel. I, oh, I thought it was too. I think maybe the, <laughs> the subtitles get it wrong sometimes. Maybe because it is. No, I've seen this. I've seen it spelled as A-B-E-L quite often, I thought. but 
Well, but anyway, Abel successfully defuses the bomb that was on Zed and Mara, but then he's holding it and it goes off in his hands, crippling him with red electricity, just as the bomb on Cyrus does the same no. thing. No, no. No. And then Cyrus <laughs> Cyrus falls over a railing. And when Tron goes to look at the body, he sees just the bomb down there by itself, sending out electricity. So Cyrus got away. Uh, but back in the cargo container, the red electricity is warming up the containers of explosives that it was previously wired to. So Abel is telling Zed and Mara to flee and to save themselves as he's getting electrocuted. And uh, they leave jumping about a kilometer down to the ocean as the cargo container explodes, killing Abel. And that's it for Abel. Oh, how did him dirty, man. They did. He was just, he was just getting started. He was just getting started. Abel, RIP, we hardly knew you. I wanted to know more about you. It's a real shame. That really Well, you know what? Season two, we're going to have some flashbacks to the old grid. <laughs> or we're going to and... have, uh, did Abel never told you he had a twin brother? <laughs> no, it's going to be young Abel. He's going to have his little white cap on. He's going to be <laughs> a prequel. In the old grid. Yeah, old, yeah. grid old grid Abel prequel. Young Abel. I would have loved if there were flashbacks. You know, we don't have oh. much crossover between Ultron and Neutron. If an old program flashed back to being young on the old grid, I would mm. lose my goddamn mind. That would be so cool. If they do do a yeah. new movie, I really hope they uh, they include that. Yeah, I mean, imagine this art style, but on the original Tron, mm. and just you have that style. Oh. I just, ah, yes, I just I, I can't imagine it without just loving it. I think it would be fantastic. Mm. Um, so Abel is spelled A-B-L-E. So well, my gosh. Go. There you go. This uh, according whole time. to IMDB. Uh, oh, was he? Original Bill Johnson. Was he in freaking Die Hard? He was, the, he was the nice cop man. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, cool. he was the one that's on the phone the whole time to John Die Hard. Oh, the guy uh, from uh, Family Matters? Is he oh. from Family well, yeah, family matter. Carl, the Carl Winslow. There oh, we go. There you go. That's what he's been. Cool. Uh, oh. John Die Hardman, by the way, is the name of a character from um, Death Stranding. Oh. Thank you, Kojima. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so yeah, they leave. Uh, they they they. Beck arrives late, and he's dressed as the renegade, and the crowd turns on the renegade right away because they think he's responsible, and so does Mara. Mara's like. You set this whole thing up. You killed Abel. I'm not quite sure where she's getting that from, but uh, maybe that's something the renegade was. Uh, maybe he was. Maybe the first renegade was dressed as the current renegade when she when the when he tied them up or something. I think, but uh, she thinks that he's responsible, and so now he can't say it's me back. Oh, so it is a sorry because. Distracted by this, um, it, where Abel blew up. That's uh, a, what do you call it? A crane. Yeah, it looked like one, but it looked huge compared to the others. But yeah, it's a big yeah, crane. Yeah, that isn't. So back at Abel's office, we see Yori's armor in the test tube again, and Tron is giving Beck the worst pep talk I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> "Abel's gone. The city's against you. Your friends blame you for it all." And it's only going to get worse. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Great. <laughs> good talk. Good talk. Glad we talked. But uh, Beck says that he's ready for it. And then we go there. So this is kind of a reset episode in terms of like in the last episode, uh, Paige almost warmed up. But then she did an about face. And now things are back mm. to normal with her and the renegade. And in this one... His friends, which were getting closer and closer to finding out that he was the renegade and being on his side, now have a renewed hatred for the renegade because he killed Abel. So things have kind of gone back to zero in terms of. Well, the, uh, Zed was at least like, oh, no, Mara, you're wrong. That can't be true. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, no, Mara's definitely changed her mind. Again, if they knew that he was back, then wouldn't be an issue. Yep. No, there would be a brief conversation and they would say, oh, well, you, there's no way you could have done that. You would never have done that. So, uh, And 
we see Mara with her hair wet and it's not all floofy and looks better, to be honest. To be honest, she should adopt this uh, wet look in her day-to-day life if she's looking for yes. new hairstyles like she was a few episodes ago. Try for something a little more floopy and a little less fluffy. I have a theory and I I don't know if I can ever confirm it really. It's just observation that uh, most female villains cover one eye. And this starts with <laughs> Captain Planet. Uh, I can't remember her name. But I had a crush on her. I can't remember. Ah, oh, There was a villain in Captain Planet. She had blonde hair and it covered one side of her face. And she had like a scar under there. And she was like Lady Doctor Doom. It was great. Sure. Uh, and yeah, Paige does the same thing. I don't think we ever see both eyes at the same time. Uh, oh, I think we do. I think there's a few shots where we do. Sometimes. Especially when there's wind around. But yeah, there's so many other comic book characters and stuff where typically... Okay, so the way you'll see, say, Poison Ivy or Catwoman drawn versus how Batgirl is illustrated, you tend to see all of Batgirl's face, well, and but I for wonder, villains, and about half I, the face is hidden. And I wonder how much of that is based in history, because like Veronica Lake always had her long hair over one of her eyes. Like it was a mm. real style, in the, which was the style at the time, in uh, <laughs> in the 40s and the 50s and stuff. And so... And that's when Poison Rita Hayworth, po- yeah. Poison Ivy was kind of created to be one of these, you know, bombshells. I think when she was when she was created, they were trying to ape. Yes, a seductress. Yeah, what's the what's the saucy seductress stereotype? And that's the hair over one eye, long hair over one eye. And um, so I wonder how much of that is based on fashion from a long time ago, and how much of it is just. Uh, I don't know human it's nature. It's like a subcult. Yeah, it's a it's a subcult subconscious cultural thing. Um, if you can where, only see one eye, it's like you can't really tell what they're fully thinking or something. Is this. yeah. And uh, doing design myself, I do find myself drawing a character. You know, if someone says, "Okay, so this character is a villain," and you know, give you all these different bits of information, you work from that, and then you draw something. And you go. But why did I make those choices? And is that relying too much on stereotypes? And I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do have to work with stereotypes, especially if you're designing costumes for, say, a music video, where the visual is all the the audience is getting. Yeah. But yeah, uh, what was the other? Oh, fringes. It's weird that uh, like a short fringe across the brow. That you see that in heroes and villains. Like, you can have that very intense kind of boss bitch look with, yeah. the, with the bob and the fringe. Or you got Korra, who has the same thing going on. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there's something about... There's a lot to be said for hairstyles and eye patches and the like. Yes. This is Tron Haircast. <laughs> <laughs> but that, uh, that takes us to the end of episode 18, which means, sadly, very sadly, there's only one more episode to go. And I... I was watching these the other night, doing my research, and Disney was auto-playing, and it was going to go into the next one. I went, no, no, I really want to. I really want to watch that last episode right now. Stay strong. Because I'm really into But no, no, got to hold back, because that's it. That'll be it. There'll be no more. Yep, that'll be it. There'll be no more. So join us. Although, I'm glad that at least I I do enjoy writing fan fiction. I seem to be able to do it. So... Nothing's ever truly over. If I want Neutron Uprising, I can do it. We have a very solid list of episodes for episode for season two and season three here. So the... Honestly, I am going to go back and listen to our pod, and I'm going to make a list, and I want to see if we can actually at least create a blueprint, yeah. a template at least for a, a season a, two. A three. synopsis and a major arc. Or a synopsis for each episode and a major arc yeah. for the season. I think that's something that's worth doing. Even if we pitch it oh, yeah. to Disney Plus, like, please, please. But anyway, that's a pie. <laughs> I in just the had sky this image dreams. of it. Oh my gosh, Disney, Disney has bits working for them, and it's like uh, either yes or no. <laughs> when it comes to pitch meetings, yeah. that's all you get. That's all you get. A giant one floating, a giant volleyball-sized bit floating at one end of the conference room. <laughs> no, no. Echoes through the whole building. <laughs> 
The bigger they get, the lower their voice gets. No. You enter the Disney building, your palms are sweaty, knees weak, <laughs> mom's spaghetti, and then there's a giant prism thing. You've never seen it before. You don't know what it is, but you make your pitch. You do your best to this faceless thing, and yeah. then it's silent. My God, it's so silent for all the five minutes while its slow brain does all the computing, and all it says is, no. <laughs> and that no rings through the entire building and through your, your soul. That's right. What the f- am i talking about i don't know you're, you're <laughs> doing some sort of amazing freestyle you're throwing in some <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so that brings us to the i'm end. losing it well luckily we gotta tune in next time for episode 19 and uh thank you for joining us for this episode of animatronic i've been duncan shields and i have been courtney colson and tune in next time for another episode of animatronic End of line. line.